my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode three of season two of the Running Technique Tips podcast. And uh, I'm now joined by my co-host Lisa Biffin from Sydney. Now, Lisa, we're a running podcast and neither of us have been doing much running, but have you managed to remedy that for us this week? Do you know what? I am on the mad countdown to Christmas. I think I said last week that life was chaotic and I just needed to get through the week and then I would hopefully be on that really nice, gentle slide into the holidays. And, and how's that working out for you? So I think I've cursed myself. It's been the complete opposite and every day I think, oh, today's going to be easier and it's just mainly work. It's just been ramping up and ramping up. So have I been running? Yes, but it's it's been sporadic. But, hey, do you know what? I returned back this week to my first I'll call it proper training session because the other couple that I'd been down to was, to be honest, just more of a social visit. I uh, I dipped my toe back in the water and oof. How was the water? <laughs> wow. So um, let's talk about this for a second, actually. I think I need a bit of counselling. Okay. Shark infested <laughs> waters by the sound of it. So went down on Tuesday and I'd done, I think I'd done maybe two or three like easy runs before that. The longest run I had done was sort of 11Ks, uh, pretty easy running. And I get down and it was a really big session. It was two by 2K fartleks on, you know, it's not a great surface that we run around, but I do like running on this surface because, you know, it really forces you to sort of think and you can't run too fast basically on it. And then it was meant to be two by one Ks on the grass oval. So again, you, you can't run that fast just because of the surface. But when you're not fit, it's, it, it just became another obstacle anyway. And I thought, wow, that's big, but we'll just see how we go. And you know that session where you finally decide to return to fitness. And so your head's in the game and, you know, you're prepared to hurt a little bit. But after I think maybe, I'm not exaggerating, maybe 150 metres into the first rep of me running a four minute 15k (laughs) I was like have you ever been to that dark place where every thought pattern in your mind is negative (laughs) you cannot pick yourself out like everything and I managed to do most of the session except for the final 1k I actually had nothing left and I didn't even break four minute k's I think the closest I got to was a 402 and everything else was more in sort of the four tens. And we're running around this grass oval shared by some soccer players. And normally they annoy me, the soccer players, and I'm quite scared of the ball. But on Tuesday, I was actually willing the ball to hit me so that it would take <laughs> it would take me out so that I wouldn't actually have to keep going. So oh, it was I like I got it done. I only managed a K and a half cool down and then I collapsed onto the couch. I think it was I was so oxygen depleted. <laughs> I think I was asleep by eight thirty on Tuesday night, which is potentially a new world record. Well done. Do you do you think perhaps it might have been a touch early for sessions? Oh, look, it probably was it, maybe, but I'm definitely someone that sometimes I need a bit of a push mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was a bit of a push. Like it was good that it wasn't, you know, so like 10 by 200s max. So at least with a fart left, you know, you can surge and then jog a little bit and, and surge a bit more. But oh, I'm, I'm really not that fit, but I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced that the only way is up. <laughs> So, so in your plan, which doesn't quite exist yet because I haven't seen it, and you haven't it sort of built in a exist. base period of easy running? Oh, well, 
I haven't really built in anything because nothing really exists. And that's been part of this problem with being so busy. I kept promising myself that, you know, this week I'm going to sit down and, and do the plan. And it's, I've honestly turned into you. Like, I'm not sure what's happened. I've been spending you, too much time with you. <laughs> that's right. You're winging it. You've turned into me. Like, I, I caught up with a, a friend of mine who's been listening to the podcast and he said, you know, where you went wrong was when you, oh, Lisa forced you into making a plan. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I think I think I'm I'm going to go back to not having a plan. Oh well, here I am not having a plan, and I'm trying to run four minute k's when I'm completely mm-hmm. unfit. So maybe I do need a plan, but I haven't really written a lot in. So, look, check back in with me next week to see where I am uh-huh. with uh, my plan and my easing back in. I, I think um, once you have some time off, your planning brain will just switch back into gear and there'll be a giant plan. Yeah, no, oh, it, there will be an absolute giant plan. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of been my return to running. And But I will say I did run yesterday, which was Wednesday, and I got out for, it was 11 Ks in the end. And I, I did send you my splits because I was a little bit proud of myself, to be honest. I managed to work uh, my first k was a six minute 24 kilometer um i'm not sure what that works out in miles it's maybe nine odd minutes maybe even a bit slower and i just thought oh my god i am struggling like i am never gonna get any quicker and i just said don't look at the watch just run to how you feel and i think i ended up with a five 502 minute K was was my fastest in the end. So, yeah, but do you know what? Like it's such a good message to just sometimes quit the watch, quit, you know, thinking that you need to be at a particular pace, just relax. I was telling myself to, you know, just breathe and it was a beautiful evening and I obviously just got into a really nice rhythm and managed to work my way down. So starting off slow as a Kenyan K is is what you uh, love to call it, um, sometimes isn't a bad idea. I just pulled out my little reference table for pacing. So your first K was definitely slower than 10 minute miling. But then by the time you got to the end, you'd worked your way down to eight minute miling. So oh, good. You were flying. I, I worked my way. So um, I have now done two days consecutively running. So mm-hmm. I'm basically an athlete again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you record any heart rate in that session? Yeah, yeah. So my heart rate, my average heart rate was 150, and my aerobic running heart rate is one meant to be 146. So it was, you know, it was four beats over, but still sort of in the ballpark. So, Ooh. yeah, so it wasn't too bad, but that's me. I've still been a um, a gym junkie, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I will actually continue to say that I've uh, been hitting it out in the gym and loving it. But, Very good. Um, have you been running? That's the other part of this question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when is the running going to, the real running going to start? Because you know how we spoke about, you know, our 5K challenge and then last week we said, well, maybe it'll be a park run. The way we're going, yeah. <laughs> what's is there anything less that we can do at this rate? <laughs> anything less than doing a park run? Well, we, I guess we could do like a 3K time trial on the track or something like that. That actually, after my Tuesday session of attempting to run four-minute Ks, that actually sounds too hard. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad option though because if, you, if you're not feeling quite fit and tough enough to run to the max for 5K, like 3K is pretty similar 
physiologically, um, but it's definitely a lot easy, easier mentally. <laughs> and you might be able to fake it a little bit um, to kind of get the distance, whereas the 5K, there's not really anywhere to hide if you're running flat out. And not on the track either. So, no. uh, yeah, again, we might we continue to reassess. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we should do a park run. I, I think it's good. No, look, I, I think, think yeah. the 5K is my territory. I feel comfortable there. And now that you've tranced me in the marathon. <laughs> I need to go back to my 5K comfort zone. Oh, actually, I haven't told you this, but I'll tell you now. I actually had a dream last night and I'm sort of hoping it's a premonition. Wow, it's all coming back to me. It was so vivid that I did race a 5K on the track and I collapsed across the finish line in 1709. Wow. That would be a good effort, not the collapsing bit, but no, the 1709 would be just, pretty speedy. Oh, just came back to me. Wow. All right. Well, there mm. we go. Maybe that's just um, after my heroic two days in a row training effort. Yes. My, my body's telling me that I'm my trajectory is towards a 1709. Uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> so what have you been doing? Um, I, I have been doing some running, but it's mostly been run walking at this stage, but my run walking is actually progressing quite well. I probably do about between four and five run walking sessions a week of about 30 minutes to 40 minutes. Um, And actually today, I think I even went a little bit longer. I think it was about 46 minutes. And initially, I wasn't really covering much ground in half an hour, but nor was my average speed all that good. But now my 30 to 40 minute sessions are probably at a kilometre average of about seven minute kilometres or under. So what that tells me is <laughs> I'm running a bit more, but also my running segments are quite fast. Some of them are sort of down at five minute kilometre pace or even a little bit quicker. And that's probably because I'm still messing around and tweaking with my technique. And having been through that process before, uh, when you're trying to emphasise certain things, you tend to run a bit quicker. So the walk-run strategy has been good for that because I've, especially after my first Kenyan kilometre, I tend to sort of blow my heart rate out after about a minute and a half to two minutes. So I do need the walk just to uh, get that back under control. But that's definitely heading in the right direction. And I think what I'm going to do from here is try and get that up to sort of five sessions a week and just push the time out a little bit. So, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour on some of those days. Mm. Um, And I think pretty soon within a few weeks, I'll be doing continuous runs of half an hour without any drama and hopefully a little bit quicker, um, which would be nice. Yeah. uh, Just progressing slowly, but surely. Hey, do you start off walking? Or do you sort of start with a bit of a jog and then when your heart rate gets up, you move yep. to a run? I'm well, sorry, a walk. I, yeah, I usually start with a with a jog actually and I usually do my run after I've walked the dog anyway, so I'm sort of warmed up from that. So, yeah, at the moment I'm probably getting through about 1,200 metres before having my first little walk um, on most of the runs. And then, yeah, the sort of segments vary between about two minutes to one minutes of, of running. Good thing is uh, my heart rate sort of getting back down to about 100 within about 60 seconds so mm. I can then just sort of head off again. So Actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things that I did comment on on Tuesday was despite really struggling during the efforts, during the recoveries, pretty much similar type of timeframes, you know, 60 seconds, and I actually felt 
really refreshed. So mm. I must admit that was a little bit of a confidence boost thinking, well, you know, not all is lost and, you know, maybe just a, in a couple of weeks' time, yep. things will probably be moving pretty well. I've obviously haven't lost that amazing base uh, of endurance no. that I had gained over the last 11 months training for the marathon. So I don't know if, if that's what you think's happening with you as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely, I think we we're talking about going back into the gym. You know, people talk about having muscle memory where they can, <laughs> even if they've been out of the gym for a while, they can still lift a decent amount of weight. Um, and I think there's probably that physiological memory of if you've been there before, your body can get back there quicker than the first time around. So you've already built a lot of good plumbing and adaptations within your cardiovascular system. So once you start revving that up again, um, you're probably going to get back to where you were a bit quicker than if you were sort of starting from scratch, mm. coming off the couch. Yeah, exactly. No, neither of us are doing that at the moment, <laughs> which is good. And yeah, I've been, I've been crushing the gym. So I've been hitting the gym probably every every second to third day. So some weeks has been three sessions, some weeks two, just sort of been doing that by feel and opportunistically. So if I've got a, a spare half an hour, I'll just quickly dash into the gym um, and because it's a 24-hour gym I can sort of do that whenever I like which is good and yeah I did my first I think I mentioned last time I was going to start doing some deadlifts on the alternate day to the squats mm. and I did my first set of deadlifts this week and using that sort of hex bar that I mentioned where you kind of stand in the middle of it it puts you in a much more well, I think it's a much safer posture, especially for, for me to do some deadlifting because you don't have to kind of lean all the way over and try and pick up a straight bar. You're actually standing in the middle of the bar and it's got a couple of nice handles on the side and you just kind of pick them up. And uh, yeah, I find that a little bit easier. So I haven't actually done much research on what the ratio of weights you would normally expect to be deadlifting compared to your squatting, but I think I just chucked on basically what I was doing squatting onto my deadlift and I think probably what will happen in as things progress is the deadlifting weight will probably get a lot heavier than the the squatting weight that's that's my intuition at this point hey I yeah. I saw that piece of equipment in the gym after we spoke about it last week ah, did you yeah did you pick it up no I haven't quite um gotten the courage to go over to it but I did see it <laughs> it's actually pretty heavy because it's got the bar itself is pretty heavy because it's got all that extra tubing because it's got tubing at the front and tubing at the back. So it's sort of like a, it's actually I'm not sure exactly what it weighs, but it would definitely weigh more than 20 kilos, maybe even 25 kilos. Yeah, I'm not even sure um, I could pick that up, to be honest. Yeah. So what's that in pounds, like getting up to 40, 40 or 50 pounds or something like that? So um, it's not that light of a bar even of itself but it's definitely given me a lot more confidence to get into deadlifting which is something I've avoided in the past because I just struggle to get that straight bar over my giant thighs <laughs> getting it over my knees without kind of putting my back in a really vulnerable position so I'm finding that a lot easier which is which is which is nice so mm. going to be persisting with that and uh yeah we mentioned last time that we we're hoping this week to catch up with Keith Bateman so we had our session with Keith in Sydney where he gave us some coaching unfortunately or fortunately for Keith he's actually overseas at the moment so he's enjoying himself so I haven't been able to catch him to do an interview to talk about his book and get some feedback on my running but he did send me an email back the other day so I should be able to catch up with Keith within the next week and do um, a little bit of an interview there mm -hmm. so in the, in the <laughs> intervening time I've actually been 
tinkering, which would be a surprise to you, Lisa. Ah, uh, yes, one of Brian's little projects. Uh, so we could yeah. all look. I think this project might actually be of interest to some people, and others may just actually think they're uh, crazy. <laughs> correct. Well, I'm definitely. I would say from the get go, don't try this at home. <laughs> I'm happy to experiment on myself, but I would never actually suggest anyone else try this. But what I've actually been doing is playing around with the concept of negative drop shoes. So you'd be familiar with the fact that almost every shoe these days usually has, well, not every shoe, but you'll have either most for the most part a positive drop and your traditional trainer is in that sort of 12 10 to 12 millimetre kind of range um, and there's lots of stuff in between and now we've got zero drop shoes which are more along the minimal pathway but you don't hear much about anyone um, with negative drop shoes and I've been sort of thinking about this a while and particularly in the the context of my quite <laughs> my quite immobile and stiff and <laughs> non-shock-absorbing foot, and I thought, well, maybe giving negative drop shoes a, a try might be um, might be a thing. So, and just, so when might, you say um, negative yeah. drop, like what, what does that yeah. actually mean for yeah, those basic- that are a novice to, to all of this yes. terminology? Well, it basically means that the, the heel is lower than the forefoot rather than the heel being higher than the forefoot, which is usually the case for most shoes. And so, yeah, it's basically opposites. <laughs> And it's not unprecedented. Negative drop shoes have been thought of before, so this is not my bright idea. Other people have been down this road, but yeah, it, it's the concept has actually probably been around for I would say probably more than fifty years as a thing, but it's rarely kind of spoken about in terms of running shoes. Other than if anyone's sort of worn, you know, sprinting or middle distance spikes, they effectively function like a negative drop shoe like you often not unprecedented but yeah having a bit of a play around with it and (laughs) i actually actually i spoke to um thomas decanto about it when we had our conversation um, when i was in sydney Uh so if if people want to kind of tap into the full conversation they can listen to episode two of season two and i recommend you do that because it's quite an interesting um chinwag that we had but we might just sort of dip back into um a couple of those elements where i was talking to tom about this a what was my foot like and b what benefit or otherwise there might be from pursuing a negative drop strategy. So we might just have a a listen to that after this. So when I went to uh, to see Tom, he basically started out by having a look at my foot and you might not think you can tell much about you're running from your foot, but um, Tom could actually tell quite a bit. So let's just have a listen to Tom and I talking about my my slightly abnormal foot. We, you might recall we foot shamed Lisa, who yeah. has fairly freaky abnormal. I'm still waiting for her to come in. <laughs> <laughs> still haven't seen, still haven't seen, seen them in the flesh. Person, no, seeing no. them in the flesh. First Teasing time. me with the photos. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not saying my feet are amazing or anything. The one thing I've always thought about my feet is I reckon I've got pretty high arches, perhaps yep. compared to the average punter. And I don't know, I'm not exactly sure what that, that means for my for my running, if well, anything. Yeah, <laughs> the interesting thing with the arches is um, is it's not just about the arch, but what happens to the arch in function. So most yeah. people will have, in a non-weight-bearing setting, will have, you know, relatively good height arch. Yeah. 
But then it's what happens when they wait yeah, there that okay. is the big thing I'll look for most yeah. of the time because someone might have like, yeah, a normal, an average looking sort of arch, but when they bear weight on their foot, it may become a weight bearing arch or a non-existent arch. So if I stood up and it completely collapsed, <laughs> that would be a problem. And, <laughs> yeah. And so you're, even as looking at you, you're, you're the un- other end of the spectrum where yeah. I'd almost want to see more arch yeah. dropping. It's yeah. normal for a little bit of you know, that's that's a shock absorption yep. mechanism for, for the arch to sort of drop and collapse yep. somewhat and you've just stood up and yep. your foot, if anything, looks like it's actually become... Your, arch, arch. your medial arch has become <laughs> higher because you're, you're yeah, actually yeah. standing kind of laterally. You kind yeah. of... You, you're yeah, actually yeah, in it. You're actually a little bit. Like, you actually look like you're in a supinated foot yep. posture, which is not normal or common. Like, the, yep. the average foot from all the, uh, the, the studies where they looked mm. at yeah, there's a thing called a foot posture index, mm. so they rate how pronated or supinated a foot yeah. is, and there's things that we look for. And the the scale is like uh, from mm. from zero to twelve, and it can go each way, pronated or yeah. supinated. Most people mm. are pronated, so it's actually yeah. it's normal to have a slightly pronated foot. But you're, I guess, I maybe I just call you abnormal, yes. or it's not not as common. So there you go. So I I am now Brian of the abnormal foot, but I, I still I still think me. you take. <laughs> I still think you take the fries for the freakiest feet. <laughs> oh, no, my feet are feral. I mean, I sent you a picture of it this morning. And just to give some context around that, I've got a bit of a sore Achilles, so I was getting Brian's opinion. I don't just send people pictures randomly of my, my freaky feet. Brian doesn't have a foot fetish. Um, no, I don't. Well, if I did have one, it was cured when you sent me a picture of your foot. <laughs> oh, dear, that's too good. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so I've got a, you know, this really high arch and when I stand up and put weight on it, like it basically almost gets higher. So normally you would expect, as Tom was saying, to see it sort of flatten out a bit. And so my foot is, I I think I've read about these kind of really high arch stiff feet as being described as like a clunk foot. (laughs) I reckon (laughs) that's about the sound that I make, um, sometimes when I'm running, (laughs) if I haven't got some cushioning under my feet, yeah, my, my foot is... Quite stiff and immobile and clunky. So what do that's you reckon why... has made it so stiff and immobile? Uh, look, I don't know. Like, it could just be the way nature made it. When I asked Tom about what I could do about it, there's certainly he reckon, said, well, you definitely don't want to strengthen it because it's already exhibiting lack of mobility. So if anything, he suggested doing things like, you know, rolling with a spiky ball and just trying to mobilize the joints in the foot. So just kind of grabbed, he sort of grabbed my heel and then grabbed my forefoot and then was just kind of wiggling it either direction. I think there was the same subtalar joint that he was mm. mobilizing there and just trying to get a bit more range and movement. And and that's kind of why I had this idea about, well, maybe if I have a look at a negative drop shoe, maybe that'll actually allow a little bit more movement in my foot. So, there is kind of a little bit of method in the madness here. Mm. So, do you want to have a listen to what Tom said when I suggested <laughs> ne- negative drop shoes? <laughs> I, I would love to hear it. And have you got a picture of these shoes too so that people can have a look on the socials and visualise your tinkering? I, I do. And um, I've made a couple of prototypes. So, um, oh, yeah, I've got, I've, got, I've got a prototype Nike Free Run, which I've hacked the heel off. And I also started cutting up a pair of um, old Nike Pegasus last night. So I've, I've got a photo of those as well. So, yeah, I can post up a couple of those prototypes. They're, they're fairly entertaining. Yeah, um, I'm actually um, <laughs> in the middle of reading Shoe Dog, the, I, I guess, um, biography of 
uh, the, the Nike founder. So maybe yes. this is um, this is where you're heading. Uh, maybe I think I'm just going to have to apologise to Nike at this point because I've hacked up two pairs of their shoes. <laughs> I don't think I'll be scoring a sponsorship anytime soon. Oh, maybe not from them, but let's hear Tom's thoughts on your wacky tinkering. I, think I, was cons- I don't know if you've ever heard about Earth Shoes. They're like a negative drop Yeah, shoe. I have, I have. Uh, yeah, because when I like, stepped in the hole and I got that bounce back, I was like, maybe I should yeah. be like cutting the heels off my shoes. <laughs> It'd probably blow my Achilles tendon if I do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just have to be... I, I, yeah, I always wondered that because I, there must be like a very, very small subpopulation that probably yeah. could wear those because yeah. obviously... The positive drop is so common. Like mm. Every shoe has the positive, but like yeah. you never hear of anyone wearing going the other yeah. way. There's probably some people that, that could. They yeah. could adapt to it and get used to it. But, maybe. yeah, it is risky for... What about me? <laughs> could I do it? Well, maybe this would be another, another good uh, topic for the podcast. Yeah. Be the exper- like, yeah the, uh... See if Brian tears his Achilles tendon in half by wearing... Yeah, so the reason I shoes. would recommend against it yeah. or being really, really cautious is just because mm. your history of the, the calf. Yeah, you just have to be super cautious if you were to, to try something yeah. like that. I, I um, confession, I actually have, I haven't run in them yet, but I've yeah. got an old pair of Nike Freeze that I've cut okay. the heel off. Oh, uh, really? And I thought about going for a jog in them, but I thought, yeah, I really need to be really careful about that because there's obviously going to be a lot of load going through some areas that are not used to taking load. Especially if you are a heel striker. Yeah. That will be interesting. Definitely, it'll definitely be interesting, <laughs> that's for sure. So, yeah, interesting. That's a polite way of putting it, I think. <laughs> oh, he should be a politician, Tom, but he was very, very good of uh, reading between the lines. He thinks you're mad. <laughs> yeah, he, he basically, I think when we we uh, weren't recording, he did might have called me crazy. But, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but he could see the logic in what I was trying to do. So he, he wasn't completely against it, but he was obviously being very cautious, particularly in relation to my old man calf that I had in the lead up to the Melbourne Marathon. So, didn't want to get that overstretched. So, yeah, it's intriguing. And those things I mentioned, the earth shoes, that was what I was alluding to before because they've been around since the mid-last century. And um, I just, when I was Googling negative drop shoes, they came up and they were like, they're almost just like dress shoes, I think. So, people were just sort of wearing them around during the day. Um, And, uh, yeah, they were quite popular in their time from what I understand. I've never heard of them before. Uh, I might need to do a Google. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, by all means do that. Yes. So... As Tom mentioned, you know, who knows? Maybe there is a, a small subpopulation of foot freaks like me that this might actually be something worth pursuing. But I'm certainly being very cautious with it so far. And I have I have been for a couple of runs in my two prototype. Well, no, I've been for a run in each prototype um, and I'm only doing one and they're walk runs like I described. So, I'm only doing one of those per week so I don't overload. And look, so far so good. It sort of doesn't conclusively feel good or bad or amazing, but um, it certainly hasn't stirred up anything by way of, you know, sore calf or sore Achilles or Mm. sore foot so far. So, I'm going to keep playing around with it for maybe a few more weeks and Mm. just sort of see how it goes. And and, and I'll include those sort of prototypes in my little technique video that I plan to do on the treadmill at the gym. So, I'm hoping to do that. It's probably going to happen over the Christmas break, I'd say, um, and that might be the best time to do it when the gym's not quiet. I won't have to worry about filming other people because um, <laughs> yeah, people will be uh, obviously wondering about what the hell this weirdo is doing, um, filming himself running in the gym in, in barefoot and negative drop shoes. <laughs> and <laughs> He's chopped up shoes. So, question, what are you yep. trying to achieve with the negative drop shoes? Like what are you trying to um, improve in your technique? 
Look, I'm trying to get a little bit more movement and mobility in my foot and what I'm hoping that might lead to is me being able to perhaps load my foot and Achilles and calf complex a little bit more effectively because with the sort of clunky stiff foot, it doesn't feel like I get much load and energy return out of those structures. So I'm trying to get a little bit of that. And the other thing I thought about was if my foot was a little bit more mobile, it might make it easier for me to um, extend my hips a little bit further, which you know might just be a function of that extra bit of loading and movement, um, might be allowed, allow me to sort of get through the ground a little bit more economically. So that's kind of what I'm, what I'm playing around with at the moment. Mm, okay. Well, let's uh, let's see, watch this journey. What week are you in for technique tweak? Actually, uh, week two? I'm a few, probably week week two or three. Yeah, okay. yeah so still um, pretty early on. It's probably going to come to an end um, <laughs> not too far into January because <laughs> okay. yeah, a, I've got to get myself into shape to um, run a five k <laughs> with you, and yeah. yeah, there's also the prospect of potentially a, a marathon in our autumn, which is Northern Hemisphere spring. Yeah, can you get your head around that yet, or are you still in denial? No. I'm still in denial. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's not scaring me at this point, and I have actually entered this marathon in Canberra, which is in mid-April. But if it does get a bit close, and I haven't done enough work, I think I'll probably end up downgrading and just doing the half marathon, mm. which is an option that I could do. So yeah, I, I basically, I guess the long and the short of it is, I'm going to get over all of this technique tweaking and playing around with these shoes and other bits and pieces and get down to some to building a base again sometime in January. So, yeah, I can't sort of stay in this zone for too long because I'm pretty keen to sort of crack on and, and do some proper training. So a little bit of tweaking and a little bit of playing around and tinkering for now is okay, but it's not going to go on for too much longer. What's next on the technique tweak or are you just going to keep playing with the shoes for another couple of weeks? Well, the, really the next step is to get that video footage and then just get a few different opinions about what looks best and what looks best in relation to different footwear choices as well. So um, I'll, I'll hopefully be able to get a bit of feedback from a few trusted people and experts. Um, that's really my kind of next step before I sort of buckle down and just say, well, right, I'm going to be running this way during this next block and I'm going to predominantly run in these kind of shoes or maybe a mixture of a couple of different kinds of shoes depending on how that goes but yeah the other thing i don't know if you remember i was tinkering with toe spreaders oh my god <laughs> no i do remember them and i was not a fan <laughs> not a fan of that i've got actually a little bit more audio of tom and i discussing my my toes because they have actually spread out it's been been kind of remarkable so uh, i'll let you have a listen and i've been wearing occasionally my um toe spreaders <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your toes look pretty spread. Yeah, they look, I, right they have actually, uh, I've only worn the ones that you're supposed to wear on your shoes a little bit walking around, but I reckon yeah. the one thing that worked really easily, which is a far cheaper option, was I just stole my wife's um, little toe spreaders for putting no, um, <laughs> nail polish. Yeah, yeah, the foam yeah foam just the foam ones, and just wore them to bed. And, yeah. like, just having them in just seemed to, like, yeah. loosen up the mu- And I think we were having yeah. that conversation about just trying to loosen up yeah. Um, the muscle tension there just to yeah. allow your toes to spread back out. And it feels like they have and it looks yeah. like they have spread out a little yeah. bit. And that didn't take much time for that to actually yeah. happen, which I was, I was pretty surprised about. So were they were they more in and less spread? Yeah, definitely. And particularly if I yeah, were taking them, they were much more bunched up before. Yeah, so the toes have... Um... <laughs> <laughs> they have spread out. 
<laughs> it's quite remarkable. Oh, how romantic is your household with your little uh, toe spreaders <laughs> snuggling into bed? <laughs> it's almost as bad as wearing bed socks, right? I think it's worse. <laughs> Probably, but I think my conclusion is um, you could spend 60 or $80 or whatever it is on these really expensive toe spreaders that you can wear in your shoes or you could spend a couple of bucks on getting some foam toenail polish <laughs> spreading things and just wear them to bed and that might be an effective strategy to um, just loosen up those muscles. Why were you doing it again? I actually can't remember because I was so turned off by the actual toe spreaders. I can't remember our conversation. You're asking why Why did I do that? Yeah, why, like why would someone go and spread their toes? Well, look, it's... It sort of goes back to that whole um, notion of sort of more naturally function functioning and minimal shoes. So shoes with a wider toe box will allow your sort of toes to spread and function more naturally, which can make you more stable. And some people would argue, and probably correctly, that uh, it would make your foot function more efficiently um, and be more stable as well. And in particular, as you pronate off your big toe, if your big toe is not sort of like squashed up with a bunion and jammed together against the other one, it's not really going to load very well. But if it's sort of a bit more spread out, there's a better chance that your whole foot can load, including your toes, and then you, therefore you might become a little bit more economical. So, so again, there was a bit of method and theory behind the madness. Oh, dear. Well, I'm pleased to hear the success of the toe spreaders. Yes, I think it was case closed on that one. <laughs> I won't need to mention it again. So, so that's me. So, what are you doing next week, Lisa? Apart well, from Christmas, it's I Christmas, know. right? It is. It's Christmas. So, I've got one more day of chaos left in this busy, busy work week, and then I am shutting off. And I actually am going to train with a purpose. So, my ultimate goal is to actually get a plan in place, run it by you. And we'll have a bit of a chat about it and get into training mode. And when I say training, because I'm still sort of on a bit of a, I suppose, you know, comeback, I also just want to include those little things that you just don't get time for when your life's chaotic with full-time work and family, you know, such as stretching, resting, having a nap, like all of those recovery type of things that are so important that, you know, I know that in my life that they unfortunately do sort of slip away. They're the first things to go. So I guess I can be a full-time athlete for the next three weeks, despite training maybe 40Ks a week. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, so we're actually off to Byron Bay too, so um, with uh, a bunch of friends who are also runners. So it's going to be a bit of a Byron Bay training camp. It'll be good. It'll be actually just a really nice environment to be in. So I'm pretty excited for the next three weeks. I know you only asked what I'm doing next week, but. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to seeing your plan. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'll just, you know how I was um, really working on my diet as well mm. from sort of, you know, clean eating, getting rid of the sugar. Well, I actually want to talk about a bit of a success that I've had. Yes. Uh, on the weekend, we had a family Christmas party and, you know, as you do, you've got every item of food under the sun, including all the delicious desserts and chocolates. And, you know, I thought, well, I'm not, it's not going to be very festive of me if I don't partake in the dessert element of the, mm. of the lunch. So I did, I had some chocolate and I can tell you that I actually wasn't that into it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You've, you've retrained your body. I'm feeling like that's a bit of a success. So uh, I was pretty proud of myself for that. 
Mm. Well, that, that reminds me, my diet took a bit of a, a step backwards. I oh, was no. having some conversations with people who recommended that I add in some uh, more variety and particular things into my diet and it just hasn't worked. So I've just had a bit of a blowout. So going to go back back to basics and um, get back on my um, – uh, I think I've, I re- what I really need to do is actually do that Phil Maffetone two-week test again. So um, I think I need a bit of a reset. So I might try and do that after Christmas. But when you said add variety, like were they meaning, I don't know, different types of fruit and vegetables and you took it to mean everything? Like what do you mean by add some variety? because well, I had over the last few weeks I've sort of been subsisting on sort of like egg and vegetable type breakfasts and, yeah, the suggestion was that I should add in some other things so yeah one of the things that was recommended was um was quinoa which i'm sure you're familiar with <laughs> yeah i actually really like quinoa but it's yeah it does not agree no. no i actually felt quite uncomfortable after eating it and gained a couple of kgs as well so oh um, wow yeah not, all is not well so i've got to uh, <laughs> get on top of that <laughs> don't need to be carrying around any excess baggage for this next little training campaign so, no uh, and not whilst you're in your negative drop shoes i'm sure your achilles and your old man calf and not gonna like a couple of extra kgs <laughs> yeah that, that's true that's true so yes yeah, so i'll be after christmas and uh, i'll be working on on a bit of a diet reset and yeah obviously continuing on with my little bit of tweaking getting that video done smashing the gym and yeah butchering more running shoes i suppose yeah and i think in fact not i think i know that once i get over my last day of work and start to look at the plan, then we're actually going to look quite closely at how to train for this 5K that we've both set ourselves up for. Yes. (laughs) Because that, that, you know, obviously was our intention, but in between – well, especially you deciding to do some technique tweaking and my uh, couch to 5K, the couch part has been a bit prolonged. (laughs) So we'll move our focus a bit to that. We will. We will get into that next time. And I guess the first thing I'll be talking about is, um, yeah, re-establishing my base fitness. And obviously that started, but yeah, there'll be a few little tips and tricks we can can offer up about what your first sort of four to six weeks might look like and then um, what your, your next... For me, at least, I'll be doing maybe about um, four weeks of specific training before mm. I before I take you on. <laughs> mm, you know, I'm actually starting to look forward to it now that I can see the end of this year. I mean, I've sort of gotten dipped the toe back in the water uh, on yeah. Tuesday. You know, when you start to get that little bit of fire in your belly, and you, if you commit, you just sort of grow on that and grow on that, and before you know yeah. it, you're uh, you're sort of firing on all cylinders. So um, it's heading in the right direction. Absolutely. All right. That sounds like a wrap. If we don't, um, actually, I don't think we will speak to you before. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to those who've followed along on our uh, journey through 2018. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a show between Christmas and New Year. um, So we won't wish you a happy New Year just yet. No, I'll be on holiday. So I'm free whenever next week. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I I think we've I think we'll be able to hook up and uh, record another episode during that period. So look forward to that. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. Catch you next week.